Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Houston, Texas, it's time for Regions Business Radio Houston. Regions Business Radio Houston is presented by Regions Bank. Brave the beginning. Member FDIC. Well, hello and welcome to Regions Business Radio Houston, presented by Regions Bank, member of the FDIC. I'm your host, John Stacy, market executive and head of Regions' Houston commercial banking team. I am so excited about today's podcast. Why am I excited? We're broadcasting live from our Business Radio X studio, which we've set up today at Constellation Field. And for those that may or may not know, Constellation Field is the home of the Houston Astros AAA affiliate, the Space Cowboys, who Regions Bank happens to be the official banking partner with. So that's that's one reason I'm so excited today. But I'm also excited who our guest is. I'm thrilled to have with us today a work colleague who I've I've gotten to know well over the last three years. I have the utmost respect uh, for him and just generally looking forward to having a great conversation with him today. So who, who is this guest? It's Chris Cooper from our Private Wealth Management Group. Chris has been with Regions Bank for nine years, three years in Houston, uh, comes to us with about 24 years in this business. And, and Chris, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, you know, you and I have talked over the past uh, few months uh, just about our businesses and how we can get them better aligned. But I'd like to start with kind of a little bit about your background and how you got into this business, uh, kind of your why and your how. And you had an event that happened when you were 16 years old. And, and the reason I want to, I'd like for our audience to hear this is it just speaks to the passion uh, that you have for this business and, and why you decided to make a career out of it. So welcome, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, I like to, when answering the question, how did you end up in in wealth management or in financial services, I really was kind of thrust into it. So as you mentioned, when I was 16, uh, my father passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly uh, just a few weeks before my older brother left to go to college out in California. We were living in, in Dallas, Texas at the time. And as you can imagine, that was a, you know, a scary time because we had an unclear picture about what our finances were. And, and at that point in time, if you go back to 1987, you know, you had, you didn't really have personal financial advisors and wealth managers. You had stockbrokers who were happy to help transact for you and happy to take your money and put it to work. You had the accounting community that was, you know, did genuinely offer some, some decent advice and guidance, but it was more centered around the, you know, with the area that they know, which is taxes and minimizing tax exposure. So, as I sat with my, my mom, who did a great job, uh, given the circumstances, and we sat down at the, the dining room table and trying to figure out this, you know, the stack of bills and this checkbook over here probably need to interact in some way, shape, and form. We figured it out together, but at the time, I kind of took away from that and thought, you know, we really could have used some help. We, we could have used somebody who was objective, who could help us navigate some pretty tumultuous waters. And, and uh, so I carried that with me later on in life and, and really discovered that there's a need for that. There's a tremendous value add, and it's been my calling ever since. Well, thank you for that, and I think it shows to your passion for just wanting to to help people manage their finances. You've always built great teams of people that are willing to do that, and you know, over the past year or so, you have been rebuilding your team here in Houston. Talk to our audience a little bit about some of the challenge that you've had with the, with doing that, with building the team, and then how have you found solutions to overcome such challenges? As I'm sure many of our listeners are aware, the 
the labor market has been extremely tight, very competitive. Uh, there's lots of competition in Houston and in Austin. And so what we seek to do is uh, take on what we call the growth initiative, where we're going to almost more than double the size of our wealth team and really build a brand in a market where we have less than 1% market share, uh, which is no easy task. But the, I think the way that we do that is we find quality people uh, that have their head and their heart in the right place and we exceed expectations and, and really find that person that is a student of the industry who really wants to, to really help people and do some good through wealth management and, and recognize and be sensitive to the fact that just because people have accumulated a lot of money that by no means makes them worry free. In fact, if anything, it, it makes them have uh, just a different and perhaps longer list of worries rather than answering the question, am I going to have enough money? How important is it to have the right team in place? What do you look for in a candidate, whether it be a wealth advisor or a lending advisor? I'm sure there are some some common personality traits that you see when you're out, you know, visiting with various candidates for these roles. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, about having the right team in place, because as you and I know, if you don't, we're not going to go meet our growth initiatives. It's absolutely critical. What I look for, and, and I think some of the, the most exceptional advisors that we have on our teams are those that are willing and able to put into work to become very, very good listeners. Active listening uh, and and engaging in a deeper level of discovery with our clients is going to be something that differentiates us and quite frankly is something that the investing in the wealthy uh, public wants they they are tired of being pitched they're tired of being sold they didn't get to this place that they are in life because because they they fell in love with a pitch book they really are looking for someone that wants to understand them understand their family dynamics understand their needs and build a plan around that 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 really serves their best interest so we also talk often about the region's culture and how important that is as we both have been building teams for our, our lines of business. What is it with some candidates that we like to hire? How important is it for those candidates to share the same values and ethics uh, and to have that same passion of just being genuine? I can't emphasize that enough. I think when we compete in, in trying to find talent, I think we win with culture. And we win with a business model that really does serve the client's best interest. So it is challenging in an interview to see if you can, you know, ask the right questions to learn that about the candidate and see if if their head and their heart is in the right place and and what really motivates them. So I do a lot of non-traditional questioning. Uh, I really just want to find out what makes them tick. And and I want to know why they, they come to work even when they've had a bad day or a bad month. I want to know what makes them, what is their dedication to this industry and, and what is it about being in wealth management that is important to them. Well, and, and Chris, I've watched you take as much of an interest in your team as your team does our clients and prospects. And I think that's that's very admirable of you uh, as a manager, as you have been building this team. So you have your team in place now. Talk to our audience about who your ideal client is and what tools you use to identify that client. Well, our ideal client really, first and foremost, is someone that is advice seeking. I, I don't think that People are going to invest, particularly in Houston traffic, uh, the commute to come to our office to sit down, to go through a discovery meeting where we ask a lot of personal questions, unless they really see the value in having objective financial professionals from a variety of backgrounds, offer them some thoughts and, and offer some collective wisdom of the team. Aside from that, we have some, you know we have a, a minimum uh, assets under management amount. 
that we keep in place and we hold that at 500,000. So it's really kind of a two pronged test to determine what our ideal client. But if I had to pick one that was really the most important is we, we need somebody that sees the value in, in working with our team that wants to meet preferably face to face and, and really wants and sees the value in, in solid objective financial advice. You use the word advice seeking, and you've said that a few times uh, just in conversations that you and I've had over the last couple of years. And often uh, prospects or clients, they don't know what they don't know. Sometimes they've been managing their own money for a number of years, and they may or may not realize, you know, they might could do better if they had someone like you from Private Wealth to come and help them. Talk to the audience about what you mean by advice seeking. Let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. Well, it's amazing to me every year I'm in this in this business it there's always some catalyst that makes somebody have that moment where they stick up their hand and ask for help and I never know what's what's going to be the catalyst it could be the the dollar amount it could be the amount of time that someone's investing in uh, in managing their wealth it could be the perceived risk it could be passing wealth on to the next generation and and the challenges associated with that or, or taxes or policy associated with that but the advice seeking client is one that that recognizes that this is important enough that I need to engage a professional and I really need some objectivity here. And there's been multiple studies regarding this, but the one I I think of the most is there was a Vanguard study that's been updated recently and it's entitled Advisor Alpha. And Vanguard estimates from their research that as much as 2% in annualized excess returns can come simply by having an objective advisor working with a wealthy investor. And I, I think that that is very, very powerful. And so our ideal client, when we say advice seeking, is someone who says, you know what, this is important enough that I don't need to do this as a hobby. I don't need to do it in my spare time. I need to get dedicated to to working with professionals and, and get some objectivity. Are there certain questions that your wealth advisors ask clients or prospects when they're in front of them to kind of determine, are they truly advice seeking? That's, that's the art more than the science of the job. I think the exceptional advisors have the discipline to ask good open-ended questions to get, get a feel for what's truly important to this particular client. And that's challenging because honestly, I mean, if you sat me down and said, uh, put me on the spot and said, Chris, what are your financial priorities right now? I don't know that I could really articulate that precisely. But again, the, the gifted advisor is one that can, can start to get to know the person, get to know the family, get to understand what really is at play and have the discipline to not try and solve too soon. It's, it's really easy to solve prematurely or to start to try and offer solutions when you have all that rattling around in your head. But the, the exceptional advisor, in my opinion, is somebody who can have the discipline to, to go deeper. When you get an answer to a question, ask for more information. Tell me more about that. Why is that important to you? Why is this uh, of concern to you? And how, what does success look like to you? Yeah. You use the word, you know, objectives when you retire. I think my financial objective is when I retire to just simply have enough money to keep on living. You've been with the bank for nine years. Uh, You've been in different markets with Regions Bank, and now you're here in Houston uh, in a leadership role. How are you differentiating Regions Bank, the brand, out in the market from all the competition? We all know how many banks are here. There's so many banks. The competition is heavy. You've got a strong team. I do think you've got an A team. But how do you you know, coach your team to get out and differentiate ourselves, Regions Bank, from all the other competition? A couple of different ways. One way is to have that 30 seconds of courage to reach out to a partner in another line of business and say, I have no idea what the need is for this particular prospective client, 
but would you go along with me and would we, would you help me discover that and i think that's that's critically important because if we go into any interaction uh, with any individual in the Houston area and we are completely agnostic as to what the solution is, whether or not it's within Regions Bank or whether or not it's within private wealth, if we go and we try and exceed expectations and help people, that's going to be different. That's going to be a unique client experience. That's something that you can't put a dollar value on in terms of marketing and I, I think the best way that, that we can attack this market and really build this brand is to, to partner up, number one, across different lines of business. Number two, go in and think in terms of how can I help? And I go back to, you know, when I was 16, if, if there had been somebody there that was willing to offer some real solutions to some actual genuine challenges that we had, I don't know that I could put a, a dollar value on how important that would have been to us at that time. And I try and emphasize that and keep that in mind when we go to market is, yes, we're here, we're a for-profit entity, and we do want to generate revenue, but we want to do it the right way, and we want to make certain that we're helping people. Have you found a niche out in the market, maybe a gap, uh, a certain level or certain segment of the market that's not being covered by our competition that you've been able to go into and really build a nice book of business? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a trend within uh, wealth management to go what we call upstream because there is just incredible amounts of, of wealth and prosperity that's being built and created in this country. So it makes sense that if you could keep increasing your assets under management minimum, you can gobble uh, a greater you know, percentage of, of the wealth that's out there. We are intentionally serving the underserved in Houston. Uh, we want to keep our asset under management minimum at 500000 which is well below what a lot of our competition is doing. And what we're finding is for you know, the, the client that has a million to $4 million that they're looking to manage either through a rollover from a 401k plan or, or just something that they've accumulated, a lot of our competition is reducing the level of service for them. So it's, it's almost a, an example of shrinkflation. You know, magically a 10-pound bag of ice is now a 7-pound bag of ice at the same or higher price. Our competition is, is engaging in shrinkflation, in my opinion, by reducing their level of services for that one to $10 million client and keeping the fee at about the same level. So we embrace that client. We surround them with a full private wealth team, give them best in class client experience. And we feel like that's a a great way for us to build market share and really demonstrate that that we can can offer something that our competition can. Yeah, you guys have really done a great job at identifying that gap and getting in there and filling it. And and I've watched the growth uh, in the amount of opportunities that you've had come from that. You mentioned a minute ago partnering in of course, what always is at the forefront of my mind is Regions 360, which is a really, let's take a whole holistic approach to building relationships. Uh, let's have a well-rounded relationship. We don't want to be a capital-only provider and have a dry loan or, or, or what have you out there. Talk to us, talk to our listeners about how you have seen the partnering with other lines of businesses, whether it be the trust department, uh, corporate banking, commercial banking. How have those groups come together over the last year and really just enhanced the level of referrals that are going back and forth between and also associates. We have so many new associates here in Houston that we brought on board in the last year or so. It's, it's helped them talk how it's helped them uh, really understand what each line of business does. You know, you and I have talked about it, how there are a lot of commercial bankers that didn't quite understand what wealth advisors are doing and wealth advisors didn't really understand what commercial bankers were doing. In your mind, share with our listeners today 
just how you've seen that improve over the last 12 to 15 months? I think it's improved tremendously. We we were not exactly siloed when I first arrived in Houston, but the partnering efforts were talked about. And when there was a specific transactional opportunity, I think all lines of business would would jump in and engage. But what we're what I'm observing now, and thanks very much to to your work and and uh, the consumer bank leader and, and commercial bank leaders, we're seeing people get to know each other, have those hallway conversations, have time where they just spend time with each other in conference room talking about what they do. And, and then from there, it's amazing how a simple conversation leads to a thought, an idea, an opportunity. And then as we work together on that, and again, uh, work completely agnostic as to who gets the win or what the win looks like, that's how we're going to go out there and, and continue to, to exceed expectations and get people to speak well of Regions Bank. And I'm seeing more and more of that. But honestly, it begins with you know throwing away the old... 360 model of locking people in a room and having them produce, you know, a mandatory number of referrals for each other instead of just having a conversation. Tell me what's going on in your business. How can I help you be successful? What challenges are you facing? There's always something changing in our industry. There's always going to be a new opportunity or challenge. And it's just, it's great for me to have a diverse group of, of backgrounds, a diverse group of minds that are in there talking through some some commonalities and some problems that we can work through together. Well, it, it's been really nice just to see the commercial bankers, the private wealth bankers, the consumer bankers, just the referral and the interaction between those three lines of businesses, and there are certainly others as well, uh, really have accelerated over the last year. And I think the, the best is yet to come on the, the referrals and the region's 360 growth. Chris, looking back over the past year, what accomplishments are you most proud of? And then share with us, looking out a year from now, what are your aspirations for private wealth banking? So a couple of things come to mind immediately. And both of them have to do with kind of a, a shift in mindset. The thing that I've observed about our specific industry is wealth planning is something that a lot of people talk about, but few really engage in at the level that they should. And I'm extremely proud of my team and the work, the effort that they've put into building out wealth plans that are meaningful, that are actually based on client priorities and solving for the specific requests that a client may have. So in 24 years in this industry, I've never had a client say, my most important priority is to exceed the returns of the S&P 500. But at the end of the day, we've had a lot of conversations where for some reason we're measuring success as a function of that. And, and something I'm very proud of that my team has been able to, to do is through working at their craft in wealth planning, we establish a personal benchmark for our clients so that if we identify the rate of return or the, the dollar amount that they have to have in order to achieve what they said was important to them, that's, the, that's how we measure success. And I think that, that change in mindset has been critical for some of our advisors, and it really has resonated well with our clients. Um, the second shift in mindset that I think has been critical is the partnering effort that we talked about before. The other members of the various teams are not just there for you when it's convenient. They're, they're there every day. Uh, there's opportunities every day in the relationships that they've started to build amongst each other. It has just enhanced the quality of the work that we, we do for our clients. And I, I would love to see that continue. Aspirations for Houston and regions. I want us to be the premier relationship bank that everyone claims to be and very few banks actually execute on. And I know that's easier said than done, but it, it happens day in, day out uh, with, with getting your mind right, going back to purpose and thinking in terms of 
who is out there who needs help? What does that help look like and how can I best serve? Well, I think that's right, Chris, and uh, thank you for that. Our private wealth team and our commercial team, I'm, I'm so proud of them and what we've been able to accomplish. I do think we're just scratching the surface on all of this. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but as we continue to move regions forward in Houston, brand awareness becomes much more noticeable, visible, people understand what we do. I mean, you and I have both been on been on calls, been in meetings where, you know, we might have a client say, oh, I had no idea you were capable of that, of your product and your offerings. And so really proud of that. So happy to have you here with us today. Uh, I think this has just been a great overview of private wealth management, how it has locked arms with not only commercial banking, consumer, trust, corporate banking, all the various lines of business that we have in market here in Houston. And so, Chris, just thank you for being here today. And I want to thank our listeners to Regions Business Radio Houston, presented by Regions Bank, member of the FDIC. It's important to also realize that investment products, they may lose value and are not FDIC insured. They're not bank guarantee. They're not deposits, are not a condition of any banking activity, and are not insured by any government entity. Listen, you can, you can enjoy these episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com and selecting the Houston studio and then click on Regions Business Radio. It's, it's literally just that simple. The program's also available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. I would ask that you please be sure to subscribe to the program so you don't miss any of our future episodes. We really have some good ones coming up over the next two to three months. So friends, I'm John Stacy, and you've been listening to Regions Business Radio Houston on Business Radio X. Have a great day. Regions Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be accounting, legal, tax, investment, or financial advice. Regions believes this information to be accurate when recorded, but it cannot ensure that it will remain up to date. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation. The information should not be construed as a recommendation of a specific course of action for any individual or business. All Regions products and services are subject to qualification requirements, terms, conditions, fees, and credit approval.